Hello, Odafest listeners, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jay, and today I'm joined by our lovely friends, Angelo and Nancy. Jay's my friend? This is the best news all week. I know. welcome. It's official. We're besties. I've upgraded you in the book from mere acquaintance to friend. I'm finally written down in Jay's book of friends. Oh my yes. god. I did it before the Zuckerberg. I just didn't publicize it, so I'm not as rich. Well, I'm pretty sure some uh some old yokai hunters have been doing it for generations, just saying. Well, <laughs> maybe I I'm a yokai hunter. There. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be too surprised. Before we get too ahead of ourselves here. We are very excited to announce that Odafest 2022 will have its own manga library. But we need your help to build it. So if you have any manga to spare from your collection, please consider learning more and donating here at odafest.com slash manga. The Oda Factor welcomes all who want to give their best performance and sing their hearts out. If you have what it takes to compete against OdaFest's best vocalists, apply today at odafest.com slash OdaFactor. And this is your quick reminder that OdaFest 2022 will be a two-day event rather than our traditional three-day event. In the interests of everyone's health, we'll be requiring that all attendees have masks and we'll be checking for vaccinations. Man, so the manga library, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds so much fun. It's a new project. I wish I had all my old, like, uh, sumo bean bags. We could just leave some of those around for people to just curl up with some manga with. Right. I gave those away, though, so I'm very sad I don't have that anymore. I remember when there was such a big thing, those sumo bean bags. Right. Um... I mean, I like beanbags, but I don't really know why they particularly got so much attention other than like, I know that the, the the fabric was nicer and things like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's a beanbag and I don't know. It just seems like a novelty furniture item and they always will be, but they're oh, still definitely. fun, I guess. They're, they're right? fun as a short term thing. Cause like you gotta you you can't even just like set it and forget it. You gotta like refluff it all the time, or it, it like starts shifting while you're sitting in it. And yeah, it's just yeah. not it's not like awesome, but it's great for if you just want someone to sit down for a couple of hours in you know a fairly customizable soft position for cups, right. right? That's so true. Having like a little manga library with with like one in every corner would just be so cozy. Hey, Sumo, if you're still around and you want to sponsor us, by all means. <laughs> Absolutely. Hell yeah. Honestly, yeah. beanbag chairs are amazing. When when are we going to get the beanbag gamer chairs? That's a, that's a new product patent pending. Oh, great. Yep. And we're going to have we're gonna have beanbag gamer chairs. Maybe on you should wheels. make them. Maybe this should be your idea. It, it's, yeah. It's they're going to my... be called the Angelo chair. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, perfect for gaming. Perfect for reading manga at Odafest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the Mango Library, like I said, it's a new project. Um, we're currently looking for donations to help fill it out. We are doing decently as it is on material. Um, we do ask that you know your submissions be of decent quality uh, and cleanliness and things like that. 
Um, we're not asking that you need to donate, you know, entire volumes or sections or arcs or whatever. If you're missing something, you know, well, even the library, the regular libraries are sometimes missing things because people take things out. So true facts, true facts. we're not too worried about that. I think I've got the first six volumes of Paradise Kiss, and uh, that would be a perfect addition to it. Yeah, we are just really looking, like I said, to fill it out. And then we're, it, the point of it, other than, you know, being able to chill and read manga, which is something that you could do, you know, either online or at home, we understand that. But there's a lot of things at the convention you could chill or do at home. So that's not really the point, but really just to give people a quiet space uh, amid the hustle and bustle. Because um, we'd have other spaces that are sort of like that, but not quite. For example, like the May Cafe is like timed entry. But it's not exactly quiet. You're still sort of actively doing something. It's not a passive event necessarily. But this is more of a, like, you know, you come in, you know, you want to you just take a break. Maybe it's an hour or two before the next panel that you want to go to or you're waiting for to meet up a friend somewhere. And you just want something, again, passive to do. Catch up on, you know, some manga if there's, like, a series that you, maybe you're looking for and it's there or, like... I don't know, just rehash the old favorites that are probably going to be there. So lots of, of options for you. One of my favorite things about manga, honestly, is often how different the art style is from the anime. Like, Oh, uh, absolutely. If we, take, if we take, for example, Attack on Titan, something that exceptionally popular, mm-hmm. unbelievably popular. A lot of people haven't actually seen the, the manga. It's very, it's very sketchy. It's very rough. Whereas the animation, like when you t- when you look at like some of the production IG, some of the MAPPA, some of the Studio Wit animation, it is some of the smoothest, most amazing animation you've ever seen. And uh, the juxtaposition between the two is really interesting. On top of how like just the art style uh, changes the way that you take in the story, it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really enjoyable. So even if you're not regularly uh, a manga reader, it might be worth stopping by the Manga Library just to look. See what mm-hmm. see what some of your favorite series looked like before they were anime. It's always nice. There's something about manga that's special and unique. Uh, and I'm not even just talking about having like a physical hard copy of a book in your hands, which is like sort of a nice feeling as it is. But just the way they tell the story without the additional aids of like animation, music, Sand you know, in general. exactly. And how mm-hmm. they sort of convey um, the story is always, I don't know, it's its an art form for a reason. Uh, I love graphic novels in general. So, you know, I'm, I'm probably, if I had time, if I knew I had time, I would try to visit the manga library, maybe even for 15 minutes, just to be able to chill for a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But... You know who won't let us chill for even a minute? God <laughs> oh, damn, Game Freak. They're giving yep. us more Pokemon already. It's been like three, four weeks since Pokemon Legends Arceus came out and wow, Yeah, it's everybody. been like less than two months, I believe. And uh, already, already we've got a Pokemon trailer for Jed 9, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. For a game that is supposedly releasing this year, yeah, we're like have two Pokemon Christmas games time this, this year. year. Yes, it's so looks really fun. Like it looks like uh, they're following the Arceus format because that's 
the like RCS is considered to be a base game at this point, like a a, hmm. a main series core a game, mainline game. Yes. Hmm. Um, initial thoughts were weird that it was the the trailer started off live action. It just I don't know. I was like part part like, like are, are we doing a movie again? Is um, this is this Detective Pikachu too? Yeah. yeah, I don't know what to make of Scarlet and Violet as a name. I like that they were going back to colors and something more like basic in concept. I immediately thought of Jesse and James. Um, but I, oh. I was like, I realized that that's just me being old and that that wasn't going to happen. But like, how can, but how can I not like the, on the trailer, you see like this lighting and it's like literally Jesse and James's, uh, hair color, you know, colors. It's yeah. True. It's like, true. uh, if they made, if they made a cameo, I would not be upset. You know, have they actually shown up in any of the Pokemon games other than Pokemon yellow? That is a good question. I do not know. Back, That's, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Nobody um, ever ages in the Pokemon universe. Let's be real. I know. But yeah, but like... <laughs> a little bit like older. It, the, um, I guess like the graphics still look a little scuffed, but at this they point, do. you just have to expect that. Like, I don't think they're looking to improve it. Just like the Switch isn't looking to improve its hardware. So, you know, make what you will of that. But... RCS has, like is fun. I played it a little bit at a friend's house. It's pretty much as fun as watching it, which I had a lot of good times doing so on like Let's Play channels and Twitch streams and stuff like that. Uh, the starters look very cute. I love um, the starters. They all they all have a yeah. lot of character to them. To be yeah. honest, like they all have a, a a cool little vibe that they each roll with. I know people really love the duck already. I. Uh, I don't so really vibe too much with the cat really? or whatever. I do. That really? one's That's my fun. pick. That's good. And then there's little bubble bobble fire dragon, which I sort of, I can't tell which one I like more. Like the, the, the duck is nice in sort of classic design, but like I love the dopiness almost of the fire <laughs> lizard. Oh my God. Fuacoco <laughs> is super, super derpy looking. And uh, but like in an endearing it. way, Jay, the I'm way that uh, he mentioned that it looks like Bubble Bobble, I actually yeah. had to look up. I had to look up to compare for sure, because when I looked at him and Jay said that, I was like immediately like, wait, yes, that's literally the same character. Mm. But, yeah, I, uh, Bub, I like Bub yeah. doesn't have a snoot. He doesn't no. have the bottom teeth. He does have the exact same top tooth. And his eyes yes. were much <laughs> larger. They, they basically what I'm trying to say is that the Firestarter looks like he jumped out of the 80s or 90s sort of you know game design that's uh, fair and, 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 and you're I'm, right, I'm, I'm about it i'm about it i love him uh you i don't know, know if i'd choose him necessarily until i have more information a little bit because i'm a little bit like that but With, off uh, initial impressions it being between the duck and the and the lizard i i really didn't like Fukoko at first but uh the way that you you mentioned that it actually makes me look at him in a different way Right? And uh, he's got that character. I can, vibe. I can appreciate it. I can appreciate the vibes. I'm actually all about uh, Spregatito, the cat, the fire cat, yep. or yep, the, 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 the grass, grass cat. cat. Grass yeah. cat. Uh, Same. Because, good God, that is just such a cute, cute, cute Pokemon. And, so and, and Quaxley, the duck, he's got, he's got slicked back blue hair and, and blue feet. I love it. The I hair so almost much. looks like he's wearing a Mario cap. Almost. Just a little bit from a distance. Yeah. It's, it's, these, these starters are really, 
they're really some strong starters. Let's be real here. They have the them. makings of a very classic design, which I'm yes. all for because I think the last few generations I've seen it, I couldn't possibly recall one. But these designs are classic enough where it's like, you know what? Yeah, they actually stand out more from most of the new starters that like like I could mm-hmm. actually recall them if you asked me about them. Yeah, they stand out. They feel like Pokemon. They they just got that feeling. I feel like between the three of them, Fuacoco, the, the fire uh, crocodile one, actually doesn't have that much of a Pokemon feel. And... Uh, because Jay said it, that explains it because it, it feels pre Pokemon. It feels like it feels like an eighties arcade game as opposed to like yes. a Pokemon character. It know? feels like um I have seen some old beta art for Pokemon pre Gen One and he looks like he comes from uh, you know, a slightly different era, which is like you know, it's interesting. At least, like like I said, you s- he stands out a little bit more because of that, and he has a different character vibe. Hit the top of his face sort of looks like an apple too, <laughs> oh, which has you're been right. done before. Uh, we haven't. We have like an Wait, apple pie Pokemon. This isn't a fire crocodile. This apple is an apple Pokemon. Pokemon. That's Maybe. hilarious. I didn't even I see that it. until you pointed the that out. The apple that bites back. So so uh, two things real quick. One is that. Um, refer going back to Jesse and James, uh, they have been in Pokemon Yellow, uh, Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, and then some side games like Puzzle League, Pokemon Go, uh, Masters EX. I don't actually know what Masters EX, but uh, anyways, another, they have been in some other games. another uh, online or phone game, phone game. Oh, is it? Yeah. And then um, regarding the trailer stuff it looks like and based off the name as well uh of like the starters like sprigatito fue coco i don't know quaxley necessarily but um game looks like it takes sort of place in a mediterranean and sort of spanish location um lots of you know there's Bit of ocean. I remember seeing the buildings were sort of European in design. There were some palm trees um, there. It was very, yeah. very tropical feel. I'm here yeah. for it. I, I yeah, actually I think it's really going to be a fun location. Aesthetics of what I saw in the trailer. The one thing that I saw in the trailer, though, that was it was really distracting. I I know we've railed, we've railed about Pokemon graphics in the past. It's not a it's not a new argument. It's a very old argument that it feels like Pokemon graphics have not progressed. Uh, and I was immediately brought out of it in the trailer when I saw, like, there's no anti-aliasing. Everything looked <laughs> so jittery. Like, in the past, their graphic style, their art style, has led with with uh, aesthetic elements that weren't as affected by it, but there mm-hmm. were, like, a lot of, like, rails, a lot of grates, a lot of, like, tiling, where the the, the lack of anti-aliasing just it was really noticeable and jarring. Mm-hmm. And there was one scene with with some windmills where the foreground windmill, perfectly fine, looked fine. Mm-hmm. But then there were like three more windmills in the background and they were moving at like three frames per second. And because mm-hmm. they were close yeah. to the center of the screen, it was like, wait a minute. It, I noticed those before I noticed the one that actually looks it's, good. It's very scuffed. Like we talked about really briefly in Arsis, but like based on distance... Um, if 
an object is uh, uh, further off in the distance, the animation changes and they s- essentially switch to keyframe animation. So it's sort of like, you know, if something's running at 30 frames per second, you might have six frames of keyframe, which is for people who don't know what keyframe is sort of like an essential item of, of animation within the whole, you know, uh, uh, clip of animation. So there was times where you'd have like a Pokemon off in the distance. Maybe it's like a flying Pokemon. And if they were close to you, they'd be op- like, you know, they'd have full wing movement and, you know, you see the sort of flying smoothly ish around, like, you know, close around you. But if they were off in the distance, it was literally three animations. It was wing up, wing down and wing somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and yeah. it would just repeat like that. And you'd be like, Oh, Oh, that's not good. There were <laughs> that thing's going to fall out of the sky like that. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of shots that had that, you know, the camera was panning faster, but the FPS wasn't good enough for it to look no. good. So I was just like, Ooh. That's actually most of the trailer, to be honest. But yeah. they have they have time. I Same gripe, though, I had before as RCS, which is like, why not just give it another full year or whatever of, like, development, like... Pokemon, you're a huge franchise. We're not going to forget about you. You don't you have to you don't have off. to Assassin's Creed yourself, essentially, right? Like you don't have to release something every year. Um I'd rather you release something every like four years. I don't know how old Sword and Shield is now. I'm gonna look that up because it feels like it hasn't Sword been that long, but maybe it's already old. been four years and I'm, you know, talking out my ass. But mm. c- technically considering that Sword and Shield is a mainline game and Arceus is a mainline game and Arceus was released, you know, like a little bit over a month ago. It is weird. 2019, November 15th, 2019 was Sword and Shield. So So that's only three years. years. Strange, but okay. You know what? If you were looking at like mainline games, time between them, that's fair. But when we literally had Pokemon Arceus this year, Mm -hmm. it feels like it's just too soon. It soon. really does. Like yeah. the fact that Sword look... and Shield was 2019, mm-hmm. Pokemon yeah. Arceus, uh, it felt like you know what it 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 hasn't been too long, but it felt mm-hmm. right. It felt good, good stuff. Now that we have Pokemon Arceus, and then we're going straight to Pokemon uh, Scarlet and Violet this mm-hmm. this winter. It's like, hold on, slow down, guys. Maybe. Maybe program yourself a little a little anti-aliasing filter, okay? <laughs> Please. Yeah. The, the lack of anti-aliasing was pretty jarring, I gotta say. Like it doesn't but, have to be strong anti-aliasing. Or maybe just maybe just take out the most jarring bits of 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 of, of models. And mm-hmm. since you're already not going for like super, super detailed graphics, turn them into a texture instead. A, a pre-anti-alias texture instead of its own model that needs the anti-aliasing. Let's just, let's just mm. take a step back. You could do it, Game Freak. I believe in you. At the end of the day, I just hope it is as fun. Like, Sword and Shield apparently was pretty fun. I didn't really play or follow it so much. Um, but RCS I did, and people... Not, not just because it was a new style of play, but obviously they're sort of trending in a direction between probably those two in general. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, gameplay rules the roost, uh, even if graphics are, you know, pretty important. Exactly. You know what I just realized? 
you know. When I said that there was there was a lot of time between uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield and Arceus, I completely forgot that Brilliant Diamond and Pearl existed. Oh. I completely forgot they existed, and when I think when I remember their existence, I I'm suddenly brought back to like, no, Arceus was too soon between Pokemon games. What the hell? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god! Talking. I don't. I you don't know really what? pay attention to the timelines there. I guess because Pokemon just seems like it's a very consistent, ever-present thing. Like if they're not they making a mobile for game sure. for it, they're making another mainline game for it, and I just feel like I get lost in it all. It's never mm. slowed down, and it never speeds up either. But uh, I, I feel like the the critical reception of uh, Brilliant Diamond and Pearl. A lot of people were like, "Wow, you you didn't really do much to this." Uh, but every otherwise like people liked Sword and Shield people liked Arceus the only legitimate argument that I heard about either of them that wasn't about graphics was that oh it's not hard enough and the reality is Pokemon games have never been hard there is not there's legitimately they used to be hard they used to be decently hard actually but now it's it's been watered down more and more because there's a lot of little mechanics that help but it doesn't have to be hard. It's a game. It's a game for kids. That's the thing. Okay. It's a game for kids. It's not intended to be yeah. hard. There is no Dark Souls of Pokemon. There is. It doesn't there, happen. No, there are. They're just called mods and uh, challenges and stuff like Nuzlocke and stuff like that. But we can talk about actual Dark Souls content. Mm-hmm. We can. And you can talk about a game that has anti-aliasing in it. <laughs> so... <laughs> So Elden Ring just came out a few days ago, uh-huh. and uh, Dio and I have been playing with it. It's actually, for both of us, the first Souls game that we've played. Uh-huh. It is our entry to the Soulsborne series, quite frankly. I didn't know that you guys had never played that. I haven't either. Weird. And oh. so, uh, quite frankly, like, I've, I've watched playthroughs. I've, I've not been, like, completely shielded, sheltered from Souls games before. So I did know what I was getting it myself into. I had I had some inkling of what I was getting myself into. And uh, quite frankly, me and Dio are enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, one thing that I didn't realize, well, I, personally, is that there, there is a quite strong multiplayer component if you want there to be. If uh, you want there to be? So for the, my first, like, four hours of the game, I was going completely solo, just having fun, uh, fighting dudes, dying to dudes, exploring. Uh, and uh, Dio had been kind of doing the same, except she'd been going almost completely multiplayer with a couple of our friends as well. The one problem that she had is that the friends she was playing with were were seasoned Soulsborne veterans. Hmm. And so she was actually getting frustrated. They were kind of like leaving her behind. She couldn't keep up with them. And... Uh, so me and Dio played multiplayer last night, and we just had a, a blast. We were having a good time. We were exploring. Everything was new to us. We both sucked. And for both of us, for both of us, we're about seven hours into the game now. Neither of us have actually beaten a boss yet. So this is one thing that I would actually say is uh, is, is nice about Elden Ring. Uh, compared to previous, my my experience watching other people play some like the the dark souls or or bloodborne is that sometimes there'll be like an area boss where it it seems like you cannot progress past that area if you do not beat that boss so if you if you quite frankly suck the only option is to get good 
that is the only way forward for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, so far with Elden Ring, uh, I'm going to be very vague about this as to keep spoilers to a minimum. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But uh, right away in the first area, in the first area, you walk out the door and you see this giant knight on horseback. And uh, I've watched one streamer actually actually be able to take this dude out. Uh, but they're, they're, I wouldn't want to say optional, but you can just walk around them. As it were, you can you can sneak on the outside of them and just let them be. Come back later. Uh, and there's other instances in the game where there's a day night cycle, and so there might be a boss in one area at one part of the day. There might not be. You can walk into an area, and there is like a dragon that swoops down. Uh, and so it's like, okay, I am not prepared yet, but it feels like it always feels like so far. In, in seven hours, that if you legitimately do not feel like you are prepared for this boss, you do not have to bang your head against them hour after hour until you just get good and finally do it or give up. How um, do you feel about the idea that... Uh, so I have not watched too much Elden Ring content because I'm going to play it for myself eventually and I try not to get into yourself. it too, too much. Yeah, it's like too. not even spoilers necessarily, but like... I, I like it. Like, I, I don't care about the story spoilers. I almost care more about the gameplay spoilers because that's sort of like uh, the experience becomes more pure versus the actual, like the storytelling is part yeah. of it. But yeah, no, you want to experience it your first time. Like it's your exactly. experience of it. Exactly. But that's that's kind of how I feel. Like with with the difficulty that you're talking about and the first time that you've played a Souls game, how do you feel knowing that this is supposedly one of the easier or slash more accessible uh, Souls games, Angela? I love it. All right. No, like I, I'm legitimately having fun. That's good. Uh, because like for me, it would be frustrating. It would be frustrating if I walked out that door and the entire game was locked away from me until I, until I beat Horse Boy to a pulp. Mm-hmm. Like if, if that happened... Uh, I probably would have stopped playing before the two-hour period and refunded Fair. it on Steam. <laughs> instead, instead, I'm legitimately like I'm having fun. I'm being able to get play with the mechanics. Uh, me and Dio found an area with some regular mobs that are actually powerful enough to feel like bosses. And when both of us teamed up and took one of these things down, we felt amazing. It felt really good. Like. As as a as a noob to the to the genre, as a noob to the franchise, I I feel like while it's not holding my hand, mm-hmm. it's not telling me to get good. It's being like, okay, you can't beat this yet. Go somewhere else. Have fun a different way. Go explore. Get comfortable with the controls. Mm-hmm. And, are, what uh, are you playing? What what you're playing on PC? I'm playing on PC. Yes. And the so, most scuffed version of the game? It is the most scuffed version from what I hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both me and Dio have been having some problems. Mm-hmm. Like what? At first, at first my, my biggest problem was that my controller, I use a PS4 controller on PC. It works flawlessly for the game, except at first it was randomly turning off. And I was like, what the hell's going on? Turned out I had a shitty USB cable for it. Mm. But, oh. so aside from that, uh, the controls... 
my biggest issue is that it uses uh, L or R1 and 2 and L1 and 2 for most of your actions. I, I actually don't like that. I want to hit, be hitting the face buttons for like mm. attacks and things. And yeah. that's just not how the game is made. Uh, Interesting. This is a game that literally uses every button on the controller. Oh, boy. You are using both joysticks. You are using the D-pad. You are using the face buttons. You're using L1, Mm -hmm, L2, R1, R2, L3, R3. You know, clicking the joystick in. You're using both the start button and the select button. Uh, The only button on my PlayStation controller that is not being used is the PlayStation button, which brings up Steam Big Picture Mode for me, and the touchpad. That is the only unused button on the entire controller. Mm -hmm. And because of that, like, it sometimes feels intimidating. Like I was saying, it takes a while to get just just get used to the controls. And the other thing that I found is that it is a game that punishes button mashing. If you are mashing your buttons and I and while I don't mean just like mashing any button trying to get something to happen, I mean, if you intend to roll. If you button mash the roll button, it's punishing you for it. And Mm. because the way that it works is that you will, if you're in the middle of another animation, it might accept the input depending on where in the animation you are. If you're, if you're close to the end of the animation, it might accept that. So great. The problem is it's not uh, exactly intuitive when it's taking the input. So if you say you want to roll once to dodge an enemy's move and you want to roll once because you want to counterattack immediately, if you button mash the roll button because you're not rolling soon enough, you might find that after your first roll, you're rolling again because it accepted the second or third or tenth input that you were button mashing. So you have to make sure that you are not mashing your buttons. Well, that that does it. I can't play this game. (laughs) I think it's a... So it's definitely... um, more prevalent in sort of i want to say japanese action rpg type games because you can say the same for games like monster hunter for example where uh depending especially on the weapon style that you play with uh it'll eat certain uh inputs or it'll sort of you have to be very precise like timing wise or like you activate certain um stances or modes of uh you know combat so i think it's not it's something new that you're you're experiencing but i also think it's something that's actually fairly common uh i think sekiro is a little bit like that um sekiro is made by from software it's it's basically considered as part of the soulsborne series yeah so i'm just saying like games are similar in that respect Uh, I have some friends that uh, speed run or even play like randomizers for Dark uh, Souls games, uh, Soulsborne games in general. And yeah, like it, it's not a, you know, it's not something where you're going to try and go in there randomly. You need to be sort of as controlled in combat as one should be. Exactly. Uh, like so I think it's a good concept, honestly. I don't hate it. I don't hate that I'm not supposed to be button mashing because, mm-hmm. like, quite frankly, when I'm playing something like Street Fighter or this isn't actually <laughs> going to help my my argument because you're not supposed to be button mashing in fighters either. 
No, I, do anyway. I was gonna say I'm like I do anyway. Mm. But when I'm playing like a games. fighting game, I am like manhandling the controller, twisting it, mashing every single button like sixty times per second. Jesus. You know, same. And same. Uh, obviously, it doesn't work out for me. But that's the way that I want to play these like high intense action games. Like, oh my god, everything is happening so fast. No, I got to hit it, every it, button as fast as possible. No, it's interesting. It's it's Be- the bait. The game is telling you to just slow down. Take your they, time. It's interesting Press that you the admit buttons to with that. Intention. Because, like, yeah, fighting games are supposed to actually be fairly methodical in their execution. Like, you're not... It's one thing to know what moves your character can do. It's another thing to be able to know how they chain into each other, how they cancel uh, certain animations, and sort of uh, the surgical precision. Like, I won't say that I never mash, because that's just not true. Gamers mash. But it behooves you to not do so in yes. most fighting games or action RPGs in general. I think like, the difference for me, the feeling, is that in fighting games, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like they eat the inputs. Whereas in... Uh, in Oh, it uh, totally does. But maybe I I'm using think... the word wrong. I feel like fighting games, when I make the input, it will accept whatever input that I'm currently putting in. Whereas it's a little uh, bit more forgiving for sure in in Elden Ring, the inputs are buffered like it keeps a a, a score of your inputs. Mm. And it's like, yes, I am going to put them in that order. It's not that you're wrong, Jay. You're, you're entirely right. It's the game telling you to slow down, hit yeah. buttons with intention. Yes. Yeah. And I think that sort of makes people probably a better gamer uh, in, in most respects, honestly, probably, probably. Uh, I don't really care, you know, at the end of the day, how people really want to play their games. Uh, if you want to go super easy mode and, you know, play play it in low difficulties and button mash, by all means. But I think of gaming as like a skill in itself and you develop certain things, certain uh, talents for, you know, figuring things out or the input controls. So it's and each game has something for you to learn. So. All I know is that, for instance, when it comes to Pokemon, all it's done is take up the very limited amount of memory I have in my brain. And it's just stuffed it full of random characters and moves and stuff, for example. Quite frankly, uh, if if their name isn't in a rap, I'm not going to bother remembering the Pokemon. <laughs> How rude. I thought you said you loved your duck boy. And your yeah, that's why I called him Duck Boy instead cat. of his actual Quaxley? name. It, t- it took me like a solid minute to remember Totodile's name when I was complaining how we have another crocodile Pokemon that looks infinitely worse than True. the original crocodile Pokemon. I, when you were talking about it in the pre, pre like when the preamble le- leading up to us actually recording, I could hear the gears grinding a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's because there ain't no Totodile rap, I'm telling you what. There should I, be. There I should be a Totodile of? rap. Yeah, I, I there's a lot dice. of get on it. We need a total. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, shall we say practices from the days of old that they should have kept up with. One of them being the poker rap. Yes, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure that a, that someone did do a fan uh, a fan poker rap using mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of the new Pokemon as well. But uh, ain't no one got time for that. Enough about the games. It's time to talk about an anime. An anime that Nancy watched. An anime that's 3D. Uh, does anyone remember a while ago when we watched the new Ghost in the Shell done by Studio Sola? Yeah. 
Same okay. studio uh, came out with Blade Runner Black Lotus recently, and all the right people were involved in the making of this. Nice. Uh, okay. So Aramaki was in this, Kamiyama, uh, Shinichiro Watanabe. Oh they were my God. all involved, and it shows. It really shows. To me, it keeps the atmosphere and like the visual styling of Blade Runner mm. very mm-hmm. much alive. Like the the actual score that plays is very 100% Blade Runner. They did a really good job staying true to that, but it's punctuated by more like R&B opening and ending themes. And uh, one of my favorite singers actually is the one who did the opening theme, Alessia Cara. Oh. Who is, I believe, from Toronto, I think. But anyway, so she's actually in the show for a couple episodes, which is even more interesting. Uh, But anyway. Sorry? Brampton, Ontario. Brampton, Ontario. My bad. I guess Um, it's sort of GTA-ish, maybe. Anyway, um, it was really well done because they had a working framework to go off of. Blade Runner has Mm. a very iconic musical style, visual mm-hmm. style. They, established they took universe, all of that. right? Very established universe, but also just very established styling. It's like working within the framework of like an established long-running manga. It has a style mm. to it. Um mm. and it just it was it was good. It also fell into a bunch of as I was watching anime tropes, which I'm not sure is good or bad. It just is something I noticed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it appears to fall, I it falls, like, in the timeline of the universe, I think it falls after the, or, actually, no, I never did establish if it fell before or after the second movie, but it definitely falls right. after the first movie. All right, because and there I, was the, uh, the hmm. other Blade Runner anime uh, OVA that 20, I believe fell before the original movie in the timeline. Right. Uh, what was that? Was it called twenty uh, Blade Runner The Fall or something? Or was it Blade Runner 2040 something? I think there was a... Are you thinking was of Blackout? 2049? Blackout, that's it. Blackout 2022? That's the one. Yeah. And that was that was an, uh, Blade Runner OVA that I only heard great things oh, about. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Watanabe directed that one too. Exactly. I'm I'm actually glad that you're commenting on this because it's been something that's been on my radar for quite a while. Uh, every now and then, like every other week, I see it's like, oh, there's there's another episode of that Blade Runner Black Lotus out. I should watch. I should start watching that. I should give it a try. See what's going on. Uh, I, and now that I now that I've got your blessing on it, I really really should check out what's going on. Oh, please do. I want to hear your thoughts on it because, uh, so. What I find interesting particularly about this, and I said this last time when we talked about Blackout, Blade Runner is a North American, like, you know, it's a very North American-made, themed franchise, despite the fact that mm-hmm. there's a lot of, like, reference to, you know, eating eating late-night ramen at a, at a stall. Like, that happens in the original movie. But this is, it was a very, like, Hollywood film. It's a very North mm-hmm. American mm-hmm. franchise. Taking that and making an animated like 3D animated anime essentially of it was very interesting. You see it mostly in the mocap. You see it somewhat in the writing. 
And you definitely see it in the choreographed fight scenes, which are very good. I was going to say, like, I haven't seen too much of it, um, you know, the actual animation of it, but I assume it's pretty good. I assume that it was mocap because there are what looks like some pretty strong action scenes. Um, And honestly, you can't, like, you can do that without mocap, but most places that they can afford to do it with mocap would rather do it with mocap. Just tends to look better. These days, mocap is cheaper than traditional animation. (laughs) Probably. Like, if you're doing 3D, uh, if you doing the mocap, like, it's legitimately, it takes a lot of investment. It takes a lot of uh, upfront investment. But once you've got that, you can start banging out animations, like, day after day, something new. You can get animations done as fast as you can get people to act them, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Obviously, so, there's more to go into it than that, but yeah, uh, but to I will hand by hand like posing. I will say that the fight scenes were mocapped amazingly. I mm-hmm. have a couple of extra thoughts on it though, and I I, I will I want to hear what Angela thinks because I don't want to say anything to like color your perception of it. Okay, so I'll save those for another time. Can I say something just like real quick about sort of the screen caps I'm looking through, which is like. Admittedly, not having seen a single second of the actual animation, but only having seen like, you know, uh, uh, screen caps, still frames. It has a very, I don't know if I love the stylization of this, of this uh, uh, style, like of the, of the art style, I guess. And I don't, I can't, I can't really put my finger on it. It feels like part of me. I don't know. So part of me realizes that I have been spoiled by watching Arcane. The animation in that was sincerely the toppest of notch that I have ever seen of that. Oh, Arcane was. Arcane was movie quality animation. Going from Arcane to this show is kind of doing your brain a disservice because now you're you've been spoiled and now you're kind of going back to a style that's a lot more simplistic yeah I, I just i just don't love like the character design that much i feel like is the main thing yeah i mean i don't I've disagree seen. there but i mean yeah the, that wasn't what i loved about it i guess it was more about what it adds to the blade runner world Oh, and I'm, so, I'm sure like it draws you in once you're actually into the show mm-hmm. and you don't really think about it as much. But again, I'm just looking off like still frames and that's not really fair to be completely honest. It's nope. just that the character design throws it off a little bit and like the lighting choices they seem to use are not something I think of when I think of a... a Blade, Blade Runner, Runner universe a little bit. The some shots use really light. Stands out to like, me. yeah, like it, it's some really soft light sometimes, which doesn't it almost throws me off a little bit. I know different scenes obviously require different lighting and and whatnot. It's just I don't know. I like the background. Uh, I like the, a lot of the background stuff. Some of it reminds me for some reason of like Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> One thing that uh, that I'm seeing from the from the frames that Jay's pulling up. If you yeah. go back to the like original Blade Runner and even uh, the newer one, Blade Runner mm-hmm. 2049, was it, I believe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lighting in both of those movies is so unique 
that it's part of the style on its own. Oh, like absolutely. You've got all of the cyberpunk lighting, the, the, the rain lighting, where sometimes mm-hmm. everything's shiny, sometimes everything's reflective. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes you've got like the, the, the purple glare, sometimes you've got that, that, yellow, uh, that yellow filter going over everything. Yep. And mm-hmm. from the, the screenshots that Jay's pulling up, I don't really see that. I don't really see that artistic flair where every single frame of the movie could be like its own desktop wallpaper. Yeah. You see it a lot I... more in outdoor shots in the and and a lot more of this story happens indoor, I would say. I and guess yeah, it's basically you're right. when they when they want to wow you, they wow you, but when they want you to pay attention to the words, they like tone it down. Is that what yeah. you're saying? I mean, everything I I can see about it sort of, I guess all the still frames make me feel like I'm looking at a video game cutscene more than what I am looking for in a series. And I can't tell you why. It's just that's the association my brain is making. And you could be like, well, what is a video game cutscene? But, you know, there's a series of animations to tell. It's like, I don't know what to tell. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just saying that in this very limited exposure, my brain says the quality of it looks like a video game cutscene more than what I would expect in a full series, standalone series. I don't know why. To me, it looks fine for a 3D series. Like if we're if we're working on a scale where X arm is zero on the scale and arcane is like ten on the scale zero, this I think like, you mean minus two. No, no, <laughs> because this is the thing. This is the thing. On that scale, on that scale, I would put something like reboot at like a, a two or a three. It's a... I would put I would put Donkey Kong Country at a solid four. Arcane is ten. Keep in mind, I would say that this. This would be a solid seven on that kind of scale. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think I'm cooler than you, seven. and I think it's a five to so a six. The animation to me is really not that bad. Again, I'm framing it from having recently watched Arcane and coming mm-hmm. back to this, and it's very jarring because it's mm-hmm. just not where I thought it would be. When we're looking at uh, at stills, we're not seeing what the actual animation looks like. It's not even about the animation part so much as I like I, I've already said it. Once you're watching it, you probably just don't think about it or notice it anymore because you're actually being pulled into the story and and its universe. It's just be, isolating the experience is not doing it a, a, a great service. I think decent, consistent, three uh, D animation is like that. Where as long as it's not bad enough to pull you out, like something like X Arm would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as it's not that bad, you can vibe with it. Like like Reboot, for example, it was no artistic masterpiece when you look at it frame by frame. But when it's self-consistent, it looks good enough to pass. Well, also day and age kind of thing. Yeah. Of course, like that's of not, course. You know. I mean, okay. let's be real. Reboot was the arcane of its time as far as 3D graphics go. Oh, yeah. And considering that they made a fairly long-running story out of it, like they—that's a lot of money, probably back in the day. I wonder how much their overall cost was when I think about it. Mm-hmm. Reboot was revolutionary. Not to mention that it was but, also a Cana- pretty much a Canadian series and a Canadian-only series. A lot of Americans don't actually know about it, yes. so it didn't have that many eyes on it. 
it probably didn't make that much return in terms of you know like so pr- uh, profit versus production but like the interesting thing is reboot was actually it was a canadian company based out of vancouver mainframe mm-hmm. entertainment Mm-hmm. And uh, the first the first season was actually actually bankrolled by I want to say Cartoon Network, but it was an American company. It was American. Interesting. Company. Mm-hmm. Every subsequent uh, season was bankrolled by YTV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's YTV crazy. being being youth television out of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. But anyways, anyway. but I I think it's probably <laughs> fine. Even judging by by. The uh, the the screen caps, the screenshots. Mm. I can't judge the animation by that because it's a static image, but it looks decent. It it's looks probably good okay. Enough. It's probably closer to a six or seven than it is a five, but I don't know. Give it an honest watch and let yeah. me know because I have some thoughts and I can't share them because they will spoil things. Very fair. There's so, a lot of things. Yeah. Anyway, I was very happy to have that. Uh, done this weekend actually I think that was the one thing that I did uh, the most productivity on this weekend was watching the new Blade Runner let's go Mm -hmm. so that's why you need more days in the weekend I do so I can watch more things yeah Mm -hmm. watching anime is actually a very time intensive thing it really is god I miss what back when I was in like high school and college where I could bang out a a goddamn season of something every day Wow, I was, I was never that good at it. I was I was going crazy back then, like the the first Our the first fifty episodes days. thing of Full Metal Alchemist, the non Brotherhood one. I think I watched that in two days, and then when I was a, a working adult watching uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, it took me I think three or four weeks to get through it all. Wow. Prime weeb days. There were there were. I stayed some up till five in the morning. Played Minecraft. There were some Saturdays <laughs> where I would bang out two twelve episode series in a single day. Oh God, dude! My God! Wait, you're playing was... Minecraft? What are you making now? What do you mean? What am I making? Mistakes okay, are what, what I'm making. What are you working on these days? <laughs> oh. What am I working on? Just completing some little projects. Uh, like I'm for the first time ever, uh, I'm part of a community server. Not to say that Angelo doesn't have a community server that I play on, but like this one is, it's got like fifty or sixty people on it. God damn, that's a so, lot. <laughs> um, it's the first time I've ever joined one of those, and um, they have some mods. I don't always love mods, but they're pretty low key, so I sort of can live with them. Um, and it's been really fun. Uh, basically, uh, they've set up all these towns, like they're pre-built, uh, like the, the, the server admin essentially pre-built these town setups like where there's plots. And one of the mods is that you basically, using this golden shovel, you can basically claim a piece of land. And once you claim a piece of land, nobody, unless you give them permissions manually uh, in your claim process, they can't, no one can access things. So they can, they can go in and outside of your house, but they couldn't open your chests and they can't like oh, wow. screw around with stuff, which is kind of nice, right? And, and obviously sort of essential in a, in a 30 plus person server or even a 10 plus person server probably. Not that people are dicks about it. It's actually a very chill community that I've been part of for a little bit. But um, 
It's very fun. Um, I've just been working on small projects. We just killed the Ender Dragon this weekend. Um, mm. The server's only been around for about four weeks, maybe. Wow. Not bad. We could probably have killed the dragon earlier, but like part of it is just we're trying to chill vibe. Like there are some people who are very like into the whole redstone thing and they're uh, into making a lot of progress in the game. Whereas I'm more of like a chill builder and more of us are sort of chill and relaxed builders. Um, but you know, when we have something that we want to do, that's like bigger event uh, server wise, then you know, we, uh, everyone's willing to accommodate like, you know, different play styles, different activity levels, that kind of thing. So it's really nice. Um, we, the thing that I was like sort of doing over this last couple of, uh, well, last day really, because we beat the under dragon, which meant we have access to the end, which means you can go to end cities and then you can pick up something called, uh, uh elytra, which are like wings, gliding wings that you can use. Uh, so I've been in the overworld building what I call base jump towers, which is essentially like or like a way to get you up to the top of the height limit of the overworld really, really quick. So you can have like a platform. And if you have your wings on you, you can start jumping off and gliding to different areas. Uh, nice. It's a really cinematic experience. Really fun. Uh, it's probably my one of my most favorite little projects I've done. But otherwise, I have other projects that I've been procrastinating on in the game, just like real life. So that's just always like great. real life. Yep. And the, part of the reason why I stayed up till five in the morning yesterday playing. Oh my game. god! Nice. Wasn't even anime. Wasn't even anime. <laughs> but yeah. So that's my that's my little gamer update. Everyone playing. Oh yeah, we were talking about the Scarlet Violet, or we got the Elden Ring, or we got a new uh, animated series. And I'm like, I'm playing. Minecraft. I'm playing 15 year old game. Is it 15 or is it 20? I don't remember. <laughs> it's 15. Probably. It's old. It's pretty old. I want it yeah. to be closer to 15. It's not 20 years old. It's, it came out <laughs> when I was. Saying that in you college. want it to be. You to, want it to it, be. It's the, oh, the it's better. It's better than that. It's ten years college. old. It's only eleven years old ish. Oh, that, November that would have been eighteen. November eighteen of twenty eleven. Thank God. Okay. That would have been full release. the The original Endeavor oh, came out two thousand seven, two thousand eight, somewhere around there. True. Really? Quick, yes, though. because I have the beta release, so it would have been like twenty earliest twenty sixteen, but maybe twenty eighteen. Uh, twenty no, no, not twenty sixteen. Two thousand and six or two thousand and seven. My God. There you go. I was like, that's a decade off. Yeah, it is. Uh, Anyways. Okay. But really quick, though, I've played a reasonably new game called Life is Strange True Colors. And mm. it is basically if you took an entire season of anime, made it into a game, and you have to make choices in it, and there's a lot of feelings. Nice. Is that the one with the two brothers? No. It's no? Uh, two oh, siblings, so it's sister, a and a brother. One. There's a new new one. Okay. But it is, holy cow, I was not ready for the feelings that were present mm -hmm. in this game. I was not. And um, maybe it hits me a little bit harder because my parents immigrated and there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in there that like hints towards family because it's, it's a pair of siblings without parents. Mm. But it's just like, mm, mm, my little heart. I cried a lot uh, while streaming this game. It hit me very unexpectedly. The, the Life is Strange games have always been good at like eliciting emotions. It's 
This one in particular They're really is really good at telling the stories. Yeah, this one in particular is really good. Highly recommend. It's nice. Good. I don't do new things. I only do old things. That's you are okay. the definition of a hipster. You are the old Jay. It's true. The most recent thing I've been watching regularly is QI. And I put that on the background. QI is a British panel show about facts. About it doesn't that sound that I've now British that I say it that way, it doesn't sound ever. fun. It, it, it's more fun than it sounds. It's got <laughs> that is I've the most British sounding it. thing ever. Yeah, I've seen it, clips of it. it I know yeah, it's, it's mostly it's mostly QI is a show about facts, you yeah, see. But the, the panelists are all comedians, mm-hmm. so oh my god, it's a little better than that. No, British comedians are on another level. Are so, on another level. I recommend it. Uh, you can find playlists on YouTube, and I'm working through the entire playlist. And that's usually my background noise right now when I'm not working on things. When I'm playing, when I'm working on things, it's music. Uh, mm. It's I, I can't really focus, obviously, when I'm working. So it has to be music. But yeah, that's the thing. Nice. Anyways. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please check out the Manga Library donation uh, website, which is odafest.com slash manga. Very, very easy to follow. Uh, help us out and with register providing for the Oda Factor at odafest.com slash odafactor. Exactly. And we will catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Fare thee well.